0: To the Peach and Black Podcast. Your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring
1: the hosts, MC. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements. Captain,
2: why wouldn't you just record as much
3: as you could? Oh, yeah. It's just like a story house of ideas. Oh, Jam. Either version. I love both versions.
4: hello hello and welcome back to the peach and black podcast we are here to do an album review it's called the truth the album that is it came out in 1997 and we're gonna go deep into this one 12 tracks.
3: hang on it's it's the it's the truth as in t-r-o-o-f <laughs> that's how all the cool people said it in the 90s it's the truth <laughs> want to know the <laughs> truth y'all <yo>! the truth <laughs> you gotta tell the truth so
4: we're gonna go deep into this album and into the 12 songs contained within it and of course as always it's the peach and black crew they're here and ready to get sincere it's toe jam
3: trading bank accounts and moving to neptune
4: player
1: denise was the beast
4: and (laughs) (laughs) captain
2: it ain't no piece of pie
4: And it's MC. I'm not going to quote my favorite lyric on this album because it's inappropriate for the show. We are a G-rated talk show after all. <laughs> but hey, we're all back in this room in the virtual round table, And the truth is what we're here to discuss. So let's get straight into it. Without saying too much about the album, it was attached to uh, the Crystal Ball Project, which came out in 1998. But the credits for the Truth album refer to 1997. So, this is really the album that was released between Emancipation and Crystal Ball. That's the way I see it anyway. And so, really, this was billed as an acoustic album by Prince. I think it had its own website, didn't it? It had a single.
2: It had a CD single, too.
4: There you go. Uh, So, there was, you know, you wouldn't say there was an overwhelming amount of hype surrounding the release. But it was, you know, another Prince album. And for Prince fans at the time... I'm sure they were all jumping with glee at the possibility of listening to something like this. And even to this day, I would say, it's a fairly obscure part of his catalogue. Most fans that are, you know, either kind of general Prince fans or casual Prince fans probably have never heard of this album. Whereas the four of us are intimately acquainted with it, obviously. And so... Yeah, with that, I'll, I'll throw it out to you guys for some ger- general commentary about the album or the, the era or any,
3: any general thoughts about, about this. Uh, well, even just that, song. even among Prince fans, I think because it was released with Crystal Ball, it's hard, like it's, it's rare to have people talking about this album. Um, I think if Crystal Ball didn't come out and this is all you had in 98 or, or like, you know, that 97, 98, I reckon it'd be a lot more well-known even just in the Prince community but it's because it's like the fourth disc of this massive set. It's kind of pushed back.
2: Yeah. And Crystal Ball, the release, had about at least three or four different versions. There was the one which had all five discs, and then there was another one which was four disc, and there was another one which was three disc, and then there was another four-disc one in a different sort of package, and there was all these different versions of it. And, and the there was puck. the... <laughs> hockey Puck. Yeah.
1: And there was the Fiasco version and...
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. F- <laughs> fiasco remix. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but also, too, there was, um, apparently this was originally going to be released on cassette only. And also, too, there was another thing about, because he just joined EMI for Emancipation, there was supposed to be like a really big release with just this album. And, but when EMI fell apart, it went to the wall and it just got lumped on the end of Crystal Ball as an extra.
2: I don't know about that. I, I read that, too. Mm. But, but I reckon an album like this, which He is- would have to
1: really get behind it, too. Yeah, make it.
2: Yeah, which he doesn't do. Mm. (laughs) But he... And an album like this, which is so different from anything he's done before, I I think he was happy that it sort of just got tucked away at the the end of Crystal Ball and it's not going to get this huge spotlight on it. If it got its own single release, like commercial release, it would have been reviewed and everyone would have heard it. And I don't think that's... Possibly what he would have wanted,
1: what um, the fans wanted, especially in the early nineties, was MTV Unplugged. Like that yeah. was huge, and they were just trying to get Prince on that, that show or make an appearance or something. And so between the early nineties and when this came out, everyone was asking for some sort of acoustic thing yeah. from Prince. Be it he appear on Unplugged or an album or something. So you know he finally addressed it and bought this out.
2: I heard that he actually had a deal, and he was like in negotiations with MTV to do the Unplugged, but it was on the condition that he would only do it if he could do all his weird sound effects as well. And I said, no, that's digital. Sorry, <laughs> you can't do it. So that's that's where the whole deal just fell apart.
1: <laughs> and that's
4: so, the truth.
2: That's the truth. <laughs> the truth. <laughs> Gotta tell the truth, y'all.
1: <laughs> well, actually, that's a good point. Like, It bothered me for years, this album, because... You know, it's built as acoustic, and it's like, there's a drum machine here, and there's sound effects there, and it really bothered me, but now I really, I mean, I've always liked it, but I, you know, I don't, it doesn't bother me as much that those sound effects there, in, in fact, it sort of enhances the, the songs for me.
3: I'm sure we talked about this when we did One Note Alone, but it's the same sort of thing, like, it's sort of this one-off disc, short-length album that's attached onto this bigger set, you know, it's an acoustic album, but with all these little bells and whistles on it, so it's a pretty similar concept, just with a guitar instead of piano.
0: Yeah.
4: And we'll never know why, as Captain says, you know, there's all these conspiracy theories about what may or may not have been the reason why it didn't get its own release. I for one think it would be interesting, and that's not really saying anything specific by saying that, you know, it would be interesting if it had its own release. Of course it would. But I think maybe it's, especially at that time, you know, after coming off of Emancipation maybe it would have been too risky a move. On the flip side, we're going to talk about the material soon, but I, I wouldn't classify this as an incredibly divergent path th- that he's taking with m- the majority of the music on, on this album. It's not as if he's, like, doing a 180, you know, music-wise, or stylistically, he's not going in a completely different direction from some of the material that he was releasing up until It's more instrumentation,
3: point. though, because yeah. it's
4: like... Yeah, it's not a, it's not a de- complete departure. It's not like... He you know abandoned everything and did a spoken work a spoken word album or
1: Yeah, but every release before and after it, it was like that 90s period there was a lot of loops and a lot of like over high production or overproduction in some cases, whereas this is sort of more stripped back, more more instrumentation, no samples.
2: You know what's interesting? Up until the real new power generation finished up, I think it was February 96 and this album was recorded late 96 and it was i think it was around october november he started doing shows and like some of the emancipation stuff was coming out the emancipation stuff was all you know digital sounding stuff but this is like the link in between from when the mpg finished
3: yeah there's some songs which, on here that i heard and i think wow, that sounds like something of Gold, like the sounds from Gold Experience and Come, all mm. well, some of it could could actually go a couple of years further back than we think.
2: Yeah, I, I think this is this is the missing link between, well, I suppose Chaos and Disorder was 96, but that was a rock album, you can't really count that, and that was a collection of outtakes anyway. But then you had, yeah, Gold Experience before that, and then The Truth, and then Emancipation. And it's interesting that he went from the organic sound, like the live New Power Generation sound, straight to totally stripped-back acoustic and then total 180 to total digital-sounding everything. So in that way, it is like Cap'n's a big one-off thing.
3: <laughs> the Captain <Cap'n> theory. <laughs> covering
4: all bases.
2: But does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Do you think all the songs on this album are fully-fledged songs that he's had in the vault, and he's just taken them and just made acoustic versions of them? Like, do you think you? in the vault there's like proper... Tr- when I say proper tracks, I mean like, like you're saying, like digital, like full-band versions of these songs?
3: Could be. I think some of them sound too. It sounds like like I think it's Dion that song, which we'll get to that. Uh, but like it sounds like it's sort of semi improvised, and then everything's put on top of it. So I don't know if you know. It sounds a bit strange that he would base. You know, if if he's going to do a full band version, he would. That would be the demo of the full band version rather than the other way around.
2: Mm. Well, to answer player's question, just going from the titles, you've only got the last track, "Welcome to the Dawn," which in brackets, acoustic version, which heavily implies there is a non-acoustic version of oh, yeah. that
3: of that specific of song that, sure that's, but that doesn't that's the only mean one, that it applies yeah, to but... any of the others yeah yeah, yeah that's the only one i would say you could, have a, you could make a case
2: because not all songs work going from you know a big band performance song to strip back to one guy and a guitar or vice but, versa but, yeah but most of these songs fit this format very well
4: yeah which is probably why he put it on <laughs> put mm. them on this album in the first place but th- there's Bells and whistles galore on these tracks, and we're about to go into the first one. But the other, the only other thing I'll say is overdubs galore as well. I mean, this is heavily overdubbed
0: oh, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, definitely. For Obviously. a for a
3: for a build acoustic album, it is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
3: For a Prince mm. album, it's probably about about right. Yeah.
2: But not all tracks. Some tracks are pretty light.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, the, it's the, probably
2: about half half. The, some are really heavily overdubbed, and some are pretty minimal.
4: You're yeah, right. I mean in the majority of them the acoustic guitar seems to be the focus really. Like it's it's mixed loud louder than virtually everything else other than his vocal, his vocal kind of is pushed to the front on occasion as well, but it's really vocal guitar and then bells and whistles in the background kind of deal, which is interesting and it's a unique Release in his discography. So let look, let's go into it. Track number one. The title of the album is The Truth, and the title of this first song is also the truth.
0: How you know the truth?
4: Let's open this up with Player.
1: I really like how crisp and clear the guitar is recorded on this and the reverb on Prince's vocal. Um the lyrics are interesting, very thought provoking. The guitar's both rhythmic and melodic. Overall it's a nice track. It's a nice way to open the album. It's a pretty cool song, amongst others.
4: When you said clean guitar licks, you must have been reading off my notes because that's <laughs> the thing I wrote like in repetition, you know, I just kept clean guitar, clean guitar. Really cleanly mixed, really acoustic sounding. Like you can Very rarely do you hear an acoustic guitar so crystal clear on a a Prince track. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's really cool. And then there's the raw vocals in this that I actually really like as well. And it it matches the rhythmic guitar just strumming all throughout. And then these raw vocals on the top. The lyrics are interesting. I'll see if anyone else makes some commentary on that. But there's a great scream towards the end of this song. Some really good questions I think he's asking in this. And I think he leaves it lyrically open-ended enough for anyone to really manifest some sort of meaning for themselves out of the song, which is a clever, a clever way of doing it. Instead of being really, really blatant and saying this specific these are the specific things that I believe are true. He's um he's doing it in a really general way and I um I kinda, agree. I
3: vibe off that <laughs> I agree. Like just contrast Prince's version of the truth in ninety seven compared to the truth in ninety eight. <laughs> yeah <laughs> big difference
4: isn't it so uh toe jam what, what are your thoughts
3: uh yeah it's pretty funky e7 blues you know how you know it's a pretty classic way to start an acoustic album with an e7 blues the strums are really painful some of them they like you know that you can imagine your, your fingers hurting just hearing how hard he strums a guitar and he's always been like that with the acoustic guitar i find strikes it really hard the, the mother piece of pie like it may be a little dated <laughs> like <A bit> much <laughs> well I, th- I think in the 90s that was like really raw and everyone was saying it but now it's like you know it kind of dates it a bit like it's
2: um, the best part of the song
3: oh the scream the scream is awesome <laughs> but just the lyric is like uh, it's a bit 90s but and that's a, that's such a minor complaint you got the clock sound coming in which is sort of setting up the way the album's <laughs> built you know with the sound effects I don't mind the clock but you know I, I agree with MC I think the the message is, is vague enough that it's not too preachy which is good you know it's all about are you going to live for love or are you going to live for lie that's sort of the one versus the other and I, I like the silly little lyric at the end that I quoted you know if everyone tells the truth we'll, we'll all trade bank accounts and move to Neptune that's just like a cool little way to finish like a little quirky way to finish a fun little song it's a, it's uh, a
2: very Prince lyric yeah
3: <laughs> it's like I don't know how to solve these problems but we'll all move to Neptune and so we'll solve it, solve it there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's It's a funky Prince on on the guitar playing his seven blues. It can't get much funkier. It can't go wrong, can you, really, when that happens? Captain.
2: Okay. Out of every song on this album, out of you three, have you heard any of these songs live? Um,
1: None that comes to mind.
2: In person. No. Right there.
4: Not in person. No, and I think I know what you're going to say, and I dislike you immensely for it. I
2: win. (laughs) (laughs) This is the only song on this album that I have heard live with my, my own ears, and it was great. It was the 26th of November, 2002, in Fukuoka, Japan, near the end of a over three-hour soundcheck, and it was great. That's all I can say. But jam said, I-, I don't mind the clock. The clock, that bloody clock ticking at 1.26, <laughs> it is the single worst example... I agree of the sound effect overuse on this album
4: I completely agree
0: with you
2: it is is so much louder than anything else (laughs) in the whole song but it's just awful it sounds it's not even like he sang about time or clocks so that warranted a ticking clock it's just as much as I like this song that one second just ruins it he does talk about time
4: he does talk about time but yeah
0: Yeah,
2: Hans Hans is doing his work experience yeah
4: what does this button do what
2: does this button do you know know, the volume part of it yet (laughs) that's as loud as it goes yeah that's fine (laughs) the thing i do like about this track and in general is something called dynamics there are actual quiet parts and louder parts Mm. it hasn't all been blasted into the red to win the the loudness war Mm. except for that clock anyway that's just ridiculous but this is a good song. 140. There's another annoying little sound. The part where Toe Jam said before, where he screams and he says the, the mother effing piece of pie. When he screams, at the same time, there's this super weird like digital sound as well. <laughs> That's pitch. cool. And oh. it's really cool, and it fits perfectly with that scream. Like there are parts when this sound effect stuff can work. Yeah. But most of the time, I think it doesn't.
3: Yeah, I, but, I mean, just I disagree though. I, I don't mind the clock, but I find that randomize the yeah, sound annoying. just kind of, that's annoying because it's like, yeah, well, it the scream's intense enough as it is. Yeah.
2: It's very cool meshing of those two things. It's 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 cool.
3: I think it works, yeah. I'm with
4: Captain on that. I think it I works. Think I, un- I can't stand the clock. The
1: clock. A <laughs> bloody debating clock. debating about a bloody the clock.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it detracts it's a bit silly. Like, this is a really I, I know I didn't say much about the content of, you know, the, the kind of thematic content of the song, but this is a pretty deep track. Mm, I'm not surprised that he's opened up with this. I'm not surprised that he's called the album "The Truth." It's very—it uh, poses some some deep questions. A very very simple thing, you know. How would you know the truth, etc. But
2: when it gets right down,
4: yeah, when it gets right down to it, did you the take more than gritty. you give? So that's a cool lyric that we should. To mm. The nitty and the gritty. Yeah. So this song is. Uh,
2: the clock is annoying.
4: <laughs> the <laughs> clock isn't. But, but the, there's, like, there's,
2: the, the digital sound with the scream is really cool. It fits in really well.
4: But there's much more to the song than just these audible bells and whistles and and little tinkerings that he's doing from a sound effect point of view. I think this is a very deep track. You know, it's introspective to a degree, but it's very, very kind of universal. So, he must have been going through some soul searching and... And asking some incredibly deep questions around this time. Um, and I think reading a lot of interesting uh, spiritual material, it sounds like.
2: But then anyway, after the scream and that cool digital sound at the same time, which I think is really good. Then straight after that, there's this weird like whirring sound, which goes for, for like the next 20 seconds or so. And it's just that's really annoying. So you've got the really annoying clock, and then the really cool digital thing with the scream, and then another really annoying whirring sound that goes almost to the end of the song. Ah, oh, see, like sometimes it works and sometimes it's horrible. But there's nothing tricky in this song. Like ToeJam said, it's just a straight blues song. It's just a good song. The guitar sounds great. Vocal sound great. You know, that goes like for that that. most that goes for most of the album, actually. Mm. The guitar and the vocals it's so upfront on this album. and it's good stuff And it's a
4: solid opening, isn't it? and, and it oh, really yeah. it leads into uh, song number two, track number two, which is entitled "Don't Play Me. Don't
0: play me
4: <laughs> And in parts, more of the same. I'll do my quick little roundup. This is really, like I said, more of that guitar in the front, impassioned vocals over the top, really sincere. I find when I listen to this album, it's one of the sincerest works that he has released, you know, from the lyrics, although some of them in this track are a little bit withdrawn. You know everything from I put my ass away and the music I play ain't the type of stereo you're trying to feed. Don't play me. That's that's almost withdrawn to me. You know he's like he's either withdrawn or he's at, at peace with the fact that you know he's changing and he's evolving as a person. Um,
3: that's really interesting actually because it is. It's like in some sense it's like he's disappointed, but at the same sense it's like he doesn't care. It's yeah, kind of interesting, eh? Yeah. yeah. There's there's a dichotomy there, and it's
4: it is. You're right. It's it's intriguing. And the, yeah, that anti-fame, anti-success stance. I'm in the news again for paying dues, my friend. You know, I use proper English and I'm straight. But my favourite line, without a doubt here is, uh, because I've been to the mountaintop and it ain't what you say, don't play me. So, he's really showing signs of some hard-earned wisdom there, I think. And he he mentioned a similar lyric in the song Gold. Is it Gold? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's a similar thing, you know. Everything that glitters ain't gold. Don't play me.
2: What's the line in gold that he says? There is something about a mountain, isn't there? Yeah,
1: there's a mountain that's mighty high. You can see, not see the top unless you fly. Yeah, maybe no.
4: it isn't. Maybe I'm confusing songs. No, no, no. But you're,
2: thi- you're thinking my name is Prince. Oh,
4: I'm that's uh, yeah. right. I was, uh, I was thinking the sim- symbol album. But I couldn't think what song. I knew Captain would come to the rescue. That's right. The song <laughs> I'm thinking if, of. If it's that
2: Prince. song, of course I know. Yeah. He doesn't say mountain, but he says I've he says something. i have seen the top. The top, top. And
4: it's just a dream yeah fancy cars and women um will save your will save your face but it won't save your soul or something like that so
3: yeah. Ow, my
0: name is- <laughs>
4: <laughs> so yeah this is a this is a grown-ass song you know he's saying i'm over 30 but this is coming from the point of view of an incredibly wise soul i think so that's cool you know you don't hear that every day in, in prince music and uh that's about it for me. Uh, toe jam, take this off my hands.
3: I think I'm guessing this was the most favourite track on the album from most Prince fans. Um, normally, when you say, "Oh, what's your favourite song?" This is the one that most people say from from this album. It's certainly up there. It's an it's an amazing song. It's not maybe not my personal favourite, but it's probably second or third. I love the way it just breathes, just the, the way the chords are just kind of like it's almost like waves, just a sort of rolling of chords that just sort of go all the way through in the background, crescendoing and decrescendoing and yeah, nice effect. So it's this sort of A, I think it's an A minor chord of some sort. Again, the lyrics are what make the song. And the whole, you know, just the, the lyric, don't play me, it's a it's a play on words itself because it's like, he's talking about play as in, you know, don't play me on the radio. But, you know, the term, are you going to play me? It's like you're going to trick someone. So it's this sort of double double meaning just in the title, which is really cool. I like <laughs> the little lead line, the little lead line with the harp. That's a really cool, simple little classic Prince hooky lead line. It's great stuff. My, I like the lyric about the gander you've been propping my way that's a cool lyric and towards the end you get that radio flipping sound so it's like the whole thing yeah. sounds like it's starting to like the radio starting to distort out which is again is a really cool effect because um, it's like you know he's trying to people someone trying to flip through the radio trying to find something to listen to and, and almost like not realising there's this amazing song there that, that's, that's the impression I get so yeah it's, it's uh, in terms of the atmosphere I think it, it really works really well and I th- he played this at the um was it the Webby Awards some um, yeah. internet you know he just won this award for being an internet pioneer and everything, and he gets up on a acoustic guitar, plays this, and it was just such a really cool moment. It would um, have been the, the same if it was called
2: "Don't Trick Me." <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> don't trick, don't
2: trick me,
0: yeah. don't be tricky. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, that's a, you know, an amazing Prince song with great atmosphere and really interesting lyrics. The lyrics, it's a cl- again, it's a classic Prince song about you can't label me. You know, he always has these songs like you know, whenever you try to box me, I'll I'll do something else. So, you know, I use proper English and I'm straight and, uh, you know, the wrong color playing guitar. It's like, you, you can't label me. You can try, but you can't. Uh, which, in this song, comes uh, comes across really well, I think. All right, all right. Me, me, Player. me.
2: Me, me Nath. Oh, oh, Sorry, oh, Captain, Captain, I'm please. <laughs> okay, this is a great track. It's great lyrics. What do you say? The best lyrics I like in this song, there's, there's two that I always remember. One of them is, Don't play me, I already do, in my car. Ha, ha, ha. And the other one is, My only competition is, well, me Me in in the the past. past, That is just, that is classic Prince. It
3: It is, but it's kind of lonely as well, those two lyrics, eh? It's almost like, I already do in my car, and you kind of get this real lonely feeling of this pop star who's sort of in his own little world. In in, in his ivory tower. I think
4: Sting made an interesting comment about that when he said something about Prince. He said, you know, he's a creative genius, a great artist, but, you know, just don't get lost in your own uh, universe too much, you know. Retain your sense of humour kind of thing. I think he's always retained a sense of humor, but there, you're, you're right, him. there is an aspect of... Loneliness. Or or something. Whether mm. it's loneliness or not, uh, who knows, but there's... For that there's, era, I think. Yeah, yeah. Also.
2: Even this in this song, like Jam said, you've got that harp sound, that makes so much more atmosphere than if it if it hadn't been there. Mm. That really makes a difference to the song. If it was just him and the guitar, okay, that's good, but adding that harp and like all the reverb and everything, that makes so much more atmospheric than if it wasn't there. That's good stuff. It starts at 132 and it fits really well in the, in the track. But the favourite part of this song, I can't remember. There's a song on, I think it's on For You, The Death Laser. It makes a comeback here. It's at oh, 2.34. Yes. <laughs> the Death Laser is back. He pulls it from, like, 1978, 79, and puts it on this. It's great. 2.34, Death Laser. Go get it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Take this spooky electric. Meow.
2: <laughs> 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 Oh yeah, that's it.
4: And finally, don't play on me, Play-o. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I agree with everything that you guys have said. I've I love the harp lead line too. It's very haunting. And again, the music is very raw, like the first track, with the short bursts of sound effects to enhance the overall sound. And again, yeah, I'm drawn to the lyrics as well. Prince seems pretty content with himself. That I put my ass away line reminds me of um, like the get off on MTV awards. I use proper English, you know. That makes me laugh when you know he uses the Prince Bonics all the time. And I think the most insightful lyric is the the only competition is him in the past. So mm. I know a lot of people compare his like earlier work, and I don't know. He kind of sort of addresses it here in this track. But yeah, every every album
2: that comes out, they're like, well, how does it compare to Sign of the Times? <laughs> yeah, but even yeah. Prince
1: like. When they market the albums, it's his best albums since *Sign of the Times*. Like they, <laughs> yes. they put that on themselves, so instantly you're going to make that comparison. So you know it doesn't do it. those albums any favors. Even before you hear it, you know the tagline is "This is the best album since *Sign of the Times*." You know you're really setting yourself, self up for the fall. So
0: yeah.
4: All right. And with that, we move into track number three. And for me, at least, it's two from two. I mean, two really solid openers, two songs that I could listen to any time and feel moved by and inspired. And with that, we go into... And
2: then you've got this track three.
4: Track three. (laughs) Uh, Circle of Amour.
0: Anyone? Uh, Well...
3: I don't mind this song. I think it's un- I think it's a bit underrated. There's some interesting lyrics in this song. Very interesting. Uh, <laughs> when you finally like, you know, you first think, oh yeah, this is just a song about like, you know, girlfriends going out or something, and you think, no, there's there's, there's something under the under the um... <laughs> there's something a little bit deeper going on in this song. Ooh. But like the first half of the song, um, it, they kind of remind me of the, the Andy Allo ballads. That there's just nice, simple, well written, effective ballad music. It's good stuff. Um, but then it's got this cool country guitar twang solo bit in the middle, and it's got a cool outro as well. It's got the, the outro goes to this totally other instrumental section that sort of harks back to like almost Joni Mitchell kind of stuff. Um, so the arrangement of the song is really cool. There's a lot going on, even though you know the first couple of minutes you think, "Oh yeah, this is just a fairly standard ballad." But keep listening to it, there's some cool stuff going on. I won't go into the lyrics, but yeah, I'm sure other people will. The only thing I don't like about it is the the synth bongos. There's these real digital-sounding synth bongos that sort of go through it. It's like, why do not you use real bongos?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Koki J was gone to Seven Eleven. He couldn't do it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but um, I always get the impression with Prince that he's the kind of person that, like, he gets on better with women than he does with the men kind of thing, like just in terms of socializing, if that makes sense. And so it's almost like, you know, he's telling us this story of when he was in high school and it's like that he felt, you know, he, he knows he's the man, he's, he's, but it's like he gets on better with women. It's kind of hard to explain. But yeah. So there we go. It's a very underrated song, even if it's not a super spectacular one. Captain, here we go. go.
2: This song is okay. After the first two, which are pretty damn good, this is—it's just a nice song. It's a nice, like Terjem says, it's just a little lallyla ballad. It's nothing tricky. It's just a nice, well-written song. I hear a lot of emancipation sound in this song. I think this could easily have been on that set of songs it's got that same sound but it's a bit more stripped back but the sound is there i think i like the great little guitar solo 152 that's just it's just sounds cool and this is the second longest track on this album and like toe said as well you get near the end and it, it like fades out it just goes away and every time i listen to it when that extended bit comes back in i'm like oh it's the next song but it's not <laughs> it always takes me by surprise even though sometimes i remember it's coming most of the time i don't and it's just like oh What's this? I don't remember this. And that's at like 3.35. I don't know, it just always surprises me that when it comes back in. That's tricky. That's the only tricky part of the song. The rest of the song is not tricky, just that part. That's it.
0: Player.
1: Wow, like, lyrically, this, this is really out there as a, sto- as a story. Tell is us the story. Well, is this based on fact or Prince fiction, this, this song? You really? never if, know, if really, of, really. <laughs> if any of Prince's high school friends can confirm this, please let us know here at Peach and Black. <laughs> Names have been vote.
4: changed to protect the guilty.
1: <laughs> well, s- well, speaking of names, like for years, when I was listening to this song, I thought the names were Marie, uh, Mary, Claire, Denise, and Bill. So I thought there was three girls and one one guy. And I'm thinking, this guy is like, you know, it's hard enough getting one chick. This guy's got three. This, this guy's the man. And then I'm thinking, and then like when I was really listening to lyrics, he's going, like the next one is... All cheerleaders as far as I could tell and I'm thinking, geez, Bill's like on the cheerleading team, like <laughs> I didn't get it. And then I realized they were saying Belle, like like short from um, Belinda or something. But I was just like for years I thought there was like three chicks and one guy and the guy was Bill and he was the man and oh uh, yeah. <laughs> you anyway. always have to cross
4: that line player, don't you? You <laughs> just have to you have to go there.
1: You just ruin a perfectly yeah moderate <laughs> Yeah. See it's yeah. the misheard lyrics, it's like Captain. <laughs> yeah. Um, musically, it has a drum machine, so straight out, like, there goes the acoustic album. The acoustics are sort of the undertone, and there's some nice, again, incidental noises, embellishments. Um, I'm not really a fan of the countryside guitar solo, though, but it is nicely recorded. It is nicely really recorded. It sounds really cool. Really nice, crisp and clear, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a weird song, especially thematically.
2: You would have thought it was that, that drum beat that finished the MTV deal, but it was the, actually the Death Laser. It got to (laughs) that and they're like, nah, forget it. It was off.
4: We're going to get (laughs) Bjork instead or something. It's all off. For me, this is obviously Joni Mitchell inspired, without doubt. In fact, I'd almost call it an ode to Joni Mitchell and her early 70s period. But it's a strange song. It's got this new age atmosphere. You know, is it a lesbian love circle? Uh, Some strange themes happening here. And, you know, again, is it a figment of imagination or is it partially based on... Real people um, and or Prince observing something uh, fairly interesting happening in his, uh, in his younger years. And, uh, you know, from that point of view, it's, I'll use the word, the boring, bland description of interesting. But really, this is a skipper for me. And I uh, when I burn this album from CD to my iPod in WAV, don't worry, it's lossless listeners it's Uh fine i still listen to lossless music Uh, it's
3: lossless but it's lost a song
0: so
4: So, you know the truth for me is an 11 track album and it's missing this one i'll just make another quick comment when you go from the truth to don't play me to third eye which is track number four
2: that'll work
4: oh you have to try it it is seamless it's just one two three killer 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 no filler that's about all i got to say about this I'm, i'm not feeling it Not feeling it at all. (laughs) Mm. And with that, let's go to track number four, which is Third
0: Eye. Third Eye should
2: have been track three. Doesn't make sense.
3: Exactly.
2: Exactly.
3: (laughs) Captain, Third Eye.
2: Bass guitar by Rhonda Smith. There you go.
3: Has everyone got that as their first note?
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is one of my favourite tracks on this album. It's got a great groove. Amazing bass playing from Rhonda. I've never thought Rhonda was great. Uh, I, you know, because what? Nah. Because I've always got Sunny T up as number oh. one, and maybe Levi second. Rhonda's down there somewhere. But I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I never thought she was, you know, great. But this song. Is just excellent. The lines she, pl- that she plays, just excellent. And the guitar is damn funky as well. I would love to hear more tracks just like this one. Whether it's studio or live, I don't care. I want to hear stuff like this. I love the part at 3.45 when there's the second vocal comes in. The harmony's great. There's not that much to say about it, except it's just funky, funky track. I love the guitar chords on the outro too. That's some good stuff. But great, great song. Should have been track three. But... The question has to be asked, does this have anything to do with Third Eye Girl? Ooh. Will
4: we ever know? Probably Ooh, not. Spooky. <laughs> well,
3: the, third, the concept of Third Eye has always been like a metaphysical concept. It's like, you know, your extra sense that we're unaware of mm. kind of thing.
4: But if you listen to the lyrics in the song, it's talking about something fairly specific.
2: I don't know the lyrics. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I just hear him say Why am the, I not surprised?
4: Uh, I <laughs>
2: Just
0: listen to the bass. That's all I can hear when I listen to the oh. song is, is
4: the bass. And, and imagining it was played by Sonny T. <laughs> uh,
3: Rhonda does a fine job on this. She oh, does. Yeah. She's it's awesome. Amazing. Okay, yeah, with I'm that Toe Jam. Uh yeah, it's a funky song. That harmonic that Rhonda hits every now and then like, <laughs> That <just> funky <laughs> stuff. Especially on the headphones. And it's another I think it's e- I think it's another E seven kind of song, so real jammy stuff, plotting stuff. Now there's a there's a little lyric about you know Adam and Eve and Prince is notorious for putting lyrics about Adam and Eve but this this has got to be the best one I reckon yeah it's um, great. because it you know it's not about the actual it's not about the you know the belief or anything <laughs> it's just the coolest little line you know the serpent <laughs> yeah, approves serpent <laughs> then it then appears between Adam's thighs and he tries to release upon Eve the nectar the injector tries <laughs> that's such a that's such a cool lyric it is
4: wow. <laughs> 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 we rated um, show.
3: And and while that lyrics going on, you know that the music's kind of uh, slowing down a bit, maybe getting a bit softer. And then it gets you know real funky again after that that lyric finishes. It's cool. There's all these little bits. There's two bars of vocal beatbox. That's pretty cool. Mm. Uh, I love towards the end how it's all jamming and and you know the background vocals go shuvadoo. This yeah. you know doo sort of thing. Really cool. There's steel drums at the end and it's softly in the background. There's an extra turnaround. Heaps of stuff going on. Again, funky, funky, funky. And I love the whole just final sentiment of the song. It's like, what is it? If, if nothing else is true, the only one who can save you is you. That, that's a cool lyric. So I love this song. It's cool.
2: That harmonic that Rhonda does on the bass, I mean, it would have been cool if she did it once or twice, but she does it like almost every every time. It's like yeah. it's part of the line she's playing, and that yeah. just makes it even awesome. better. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that she keeps hitting it every time. Yeah. Oh, it's great.
4: Yeah, for me, I'm with ToeJam as well, and this is one of the best. I won't say the best. One of the best songs on this album, without a doubt. I mean, it's some sort of take on on a combination of time travel. There's an observer in there, possibly the serpent. Uh, so the uh, the story of Adam and Eve told from a, an incredibly peculiar perspective.
3: Well, that's it, that's what's you know the Adam and Eve story. When you think about it, there is there's so much sexual implication going yeah, on in that yeah, story. Yeah. And when people miss that, it's I don't know. Yeah, and he's and he's putting
4: it right out there, which is yeah. awesome. But yeah. but there's also this idea of well, who's do, who is who is influencing Adam and Eve? And that's I think that's so brilliant because there's a line in the song that says, "So abduction complete, all stand on their feet, look at one another and cry, what have we done?" Um, and then it goes on to say something like, you know, could this be the fun on the dotted line that we signed? Mm.
0: Uh,
4: that's right, or, or or yes, or something like that. So it's th- that's fairly deep, y'all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's the you truth, know? y'all. Yeah, exactly. So there's some very interesting thematic stuff happening, and the last paragraph in this song is is Prince lyrically showing how incredible he can be and how simply how simple he can be. He gets down to the point, and I'm going to read this out because to me this is pound for pound one of the best paragraphs lyrically in in Prince's entire discography. And it is Toe Jam touched on it, but I'm going to give you the full version. Ultimately.
1: Can save you is you.
4: That's right. Ultimately, the only one that can save you is you. Your God is inside, and for that God you will do. Whatever it takes, if nothing else is true, the only one that can save you is you. I mean that should <laughs> be Yeah. <laughs> do, 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 do,
3: is brilliant. I mean that's Well, that sums up the album when you think about it. You know, if yeah. nothing else is true. Cool lyric. Exactly. So
4: I, I think it is beyond that paragraph is beyond most of the material that he's written just conceptually it's so so simple but incredibly deep and uh yeah you can't argue with ronda plucking that bass and it's a cool it's a cool progression as well i love this track and i also right at the end of it always have this kind of picture of annie defranco sitting and plugging away on guitar to this one i don't know why that is player
1: yeah the first thing that comes to mind is groove this thing's got groove. I love the interplay between the guitar and the bass, like Captain said. Again, it's recorded really nicely. Some scary chord progressions that pop up through the track give it an interesting edge. I like when Prince breaks the track down with the beatboxing. That's pretty cool. And I've also, too, got in my notes the Adam and Eve metaphor. It's an interesting one. Probably my favorite part of the track. And I've also got the only one that can save you is you quote as well. So true. So, yeah, it's a really cool song. I agree with all you guys.
3: Now, yeah, how cool would? Why aren't Third Eye Girl playing this song? They would. That'd be. They would be the perfect match for this song, I reckon. No one, no uh, electric.
4: <laughs> I don't know. I think this song works acoustically.
1: Yeah, I, think,
3: I, I mean, think it thematically,
1: thematically, it works, but the musical style is kind of different for them.
3: I don't know. I could see that. I could see them doing that anyway. Mystified silence. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay,
4: with that we get a track number five. It is a woman's name, and that woman is Dion.
1: Had no plans, so please me, Player off to you. I like um, how he starts the track with the well, and he taps the um, fretboard of the guitar. The rhythm guitar, again, is immaculate. The musical break is really cool to listen to in the middle of the track. I like the Henry Mancini reference with the musical accompaniment in the background. Um, the overdubs in the additional harmony on the Dion in the chorus really makes the song bright and big sounding. Again, it's a really nice track. He really has confidence and swagger in his voice in this one. It's another cool one. All right, all right. Tell Jim.
3: Uh, I think this is my favorite song on the album, actually. Really? Uh, yeah, this is such a good song with the arrangement again. I like the story of it. It's Princeton, this kind of woman—he's not—he sort of sort of wants to, but doesn't want to, and and it seems like she's not really sure, but wants him, and it's kind of this odd relationship going on. And uh, I love the simple chord progression. Well, it's sort of simple. It's a G chord, and then it's like a D in the bass with an F sharp major on top of that. So it's this real clashy second chord. don't don't. Sort of has this. Gershwin-y sort of sound almost. And I love the way, when it gets to the chorus, it just opens up, like Player says, you know, Mm. Dion, and there's all these massive vocals and these strings, there's harpsichords, there's castanets, there's these weird percussion instruments. Just out of nowhere, the whole thing explodes, and it's like this explosion of colour. Awesome stuff. And all all throughout the verses, there's... uh, I love all the background stuff in this one. There's little glass harmonics, there's vibraphones, there's harps, there's little piano lines, there's the barry sax playing the Marcini line. It's real. Man, did it's a, you say Mancini or Marcini? I may have said Marcini, but I meant Mancini. <laughs> it's a real dream factory to me, this one. This is, this is the, the dream song on the album in terms of it sounds like it was written in some crazy dream factory-like dream. And I love towards the end, it's got these massive stabs. It's almost like Hot Thing, you know, in Hot Thing where the, the horns come in on that. Um, yeah, that, that sort of thing, just sort of jerking around, the, smack you around the face. It kind of ends abruptly. It's, sort of, it's going and then there's like five seconds and it's like, oh, the song's over. But um, again, I think this has a really unique atmosphere that you'd be hard-pressed to find something else in the discography like this song, I think. So, I-, I like it for that reason. The whole um, well, that thing at the beginning, I think a similar thing happens in Dorothy Parker and also in a Larry wow. Graham track. There's a- an old Larry Graham track that does the same thing. And so, it's always this little relationship between the three songs. So, yeah, cool song. Best song on the album, I think.
4: Wow. Well, I like it. <laughs> it's a... Uh... I like it too. It's certainly lighthearted and it, the thing I like about it the most is how playful it is, how playful his singing is and just the general uh, nature, playful nature in the whole, throughout the whole track. To me, this sounds like Toe says Dream Factory and obviously um, it's got a very big dream-like element to it, musically speaking. But I also hear Under the Cherry Moon, that kind of bossa nova type rhythm that he's doing there. You don't hear that every day in a Prince track. And it's cool and quirky. I mean, the arrangement is pretty quirky. And by far, the favorite part, my favorite part of the song is the last verse, if memory serves me correctly, where he says something like exactly what Toad said, you know, we'll share a martini, we'll dance to Mancini. And then the brilliant work there from Prince just being really, really, uh, yeah, it reminds me of the Pink Panther every time I, I listen to it. And it's, it's cool. How often do you listen to? To a Prince track from this era with a smile on your face. That's <laughs> probably. That's uh, very true. That's very most, true. Like, there's not the many songs from
3: that era, maybe not since that sort of 86 Under the Cherry, but that really have that sort of playful, cartoony thing going on. Yeah, yeah, mm. which is awesome. So, uh, yeah, that's those are my thoughts, Captain.
2: So, I'll disagree with everyone. This is the weirdest song on this album, one of the weirdest tracks, one of the weirdest tracks he's ever released, you were right when you said there's nothing like it, it's just like some weird French, I don't even know what it is, what it's supposed to be, I don't really like this song, it's probably the most skippable on this album for me, I just, Uh. it's just weird, the timing thing doesn't help, it doesn't help me, want to listen to it, but I would much rather still that he released this track than not released it. Because then I got to hear it. Even if I don't like it, i still rather have heard it than not have heard it. But it's weird and I don't really like it. I like the little horn bit, the Mancini bit, it's 248. But then it's immediately ruined by the rooster at dawn sound effect. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, so, that was unnecessary, that one. It really was. I like
4: yeah. that. It reminds me of the rooster sound in... Uh, I don't know what song it is, but it's on Andre 3000's The Love Below. CD, uh, if anyone knows what I'm talking probably about, probably
3: like but, the stock, yeah, stock, yeah, the stock, <laughs> yeah, stock you know, cock. Crow the stock <laughs> cock.
2: <laughs> I've got nothing else to say about this, it's just weird. Skip, <laughs> skip next.
4: All right, and with that, we go into track number six Man in a Uniform. <laughs> that sounded like craft work for a second there, yeah, man in a uniform. What can you say? Hey.
1: player. One word, bongos.
0: <laughs> I think this song
1: is just okay at best. I think with the whole military theme, he could have gone for the whole marching drum set of the bongos. You know, like the ones on the Emancipation album, on Slave or whatever, he uses the big military drums. I'm also not a fan of that mouth horn or beatbox horn or fake horn or whatever it is he's got on there. It's just weird. Again, lyrically, it's pretty filthy if you read into it. I don't reach for skip, but I wouldn't disagree with anyone if they said they reach for the skip button, to to be honest. It's, a, it's just a, it's kind of a strange song for me.
4: Yeah, Dominatrix much? <laughs> I mm. just, I mean,
1: it's got some funky ass bass
4: though, you have to say, again. Oh yeah. Great work on that. I find that annoying high-pitched synth just, just so distracting.
1: So
0: Uh distracting. Yeah. It's so
4: bad. It's hilarious. I don't like it. It's funny, but yeah, maybe the first time you hear it. But that's real cool. It's kind of, I don't know what else to call it other than that squeeze box vocal effect that he does. That's cool. That's cool. Reminds me of uh, Sly Stone, Stevie Wonder and countless other funk artists doing that sort of stuff in their songs. It's not quite the same sort of effect that Sly achieves on the same thing that makes you laugh, makes you cry. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's cool, if everyone knows what I'm talking about. Toy Jam.
3: Yeah, this is really the, the brother slash sister of Third Eye, really. It's, it's another bluesy sort of funky thing. I like the bongos. To me, I like it because it, it sort of sounds like it's just three guys like on a street corner. One playing bongos, one playing the bass, and one playing guitar and someone singing. Except I, it's all one guy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wait for it
3: now sit down
0: sit down, <laughs> sit down. He live in Minneapolis? <laughs> <laughs> that joke never gets old <laughs> <laughs> we've it.
2: said it at least three times and it's always fun
0: <laughs> <one>. and <laughs> he lives in Minneapolis and oh <laughs> <laughs> well he's Gosh. really a great guy <laughs> <laughs>
3: anyway <laughs> but yeah, I, I think this one—I think this one's in B, which means when it goes to the four chord, it's got that big open E major chord again. So that you know, that big open E major chords a real prominent thing in this album on the acoustic guitar because it sounds so cool on acoustic guitar. I like the—I like the sort of cheesy comedic synth horn line going on because it's playing this real major arpeggio thing, but then he's singing this man in a uniform, it's this real <laughs> minor kind of thing. So they kind of clash. Which is good. <laughs> I like it because you know, this is this to me is just a joke, of a song, like in a good way. It's funny. I, I, I like the whole, um, you know, da-da-da, that sort of stuff. Good stuff. I would have thought you said that, you, you know, you would prefer to use the real horn. In the horn not, in one, it, not in this one. Not in this one because I think it's supposed to be like, it's supposed to be funny, so it is. Okay. And that, that line actually, I don't know what it's from. It's, it must be from some American classical composer of some sort. But I think they used that on the Purple Rain Tour as well at some point. I can't remember where, but in one of those live shows, they use that line in somewhere. The horn line? Yeah, yeah. Da, 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 they use it somewhere in the Purple Rain Tour.
1: Okay. Um I have to do the research.
3: Yeah. Do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some interesting lyrics about swallowing stench. and. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah. We, <laughs> we won't go any further, I don't think. Yeah. Oh, no. I don't need to know about that. <laughs> well, That's why I
1: said filthy lyrics.
3: Yeah. But I'll leave it there. Like to me, this is like this and Third Eye. They're, they're kind of the same sort of thing. Funky acoustic guitar-driven blues songs. Good stuff.
4: I wonder what Captain thinks about this song.
2: You wonder all you like. Of course, I really like this song. Yeah. When I'm sure nice. a lot of people don't like it for various reasons. Uh, it's great. I remember reading somewhere years ago that you know a whole bunch of people have said this is the worst track on this album, and I couldn't believe it. No way! <laughs> I loved the funky bass lines. I even liked the the, the fake horn. It's like Terjem said, you couldn't use a real horn. It'd be too serious. It's meant to be cheesy and sound like it does. That's how it's meant to be. No, I, I can totally
3: mind. see why why a lot of people don't like this song because you know the the lyrics and the sort of imagery it produces. But I can see why Captain doesn't notice that because he doesn't listen to lyrics. So. <laughs>
2: yeah, I don't know anything about the lyrics in this song Except all I know is he keeps saying She said, you know, man in a uniform
4: As mm. far as you're concerned, Captain That man in a uniform could be the guy at Hungry Jack Serving you your next <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> All I'm guessing is It's a, a woman who likes a man in uniform And they they do something together That's all I really know Play cards well, that's, that's, or
4: something like fine. that That's fine, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Monopoly, whatever Scrabble. <laughs> Boggle. <laughs> anyway, I, I love his accent during this song. It's got some sort of twang and it just, it makes the song even better.
4: That's how Prince actually sounds when you meet him. That's exactly what he talks <laughs> like.
0: <laughs> he sounds That's like
4: exactly everyone cool in the movie Fargo, Has anyone <laughs> <Yeah>. seen it. <laughs> the you, hear it you hear it again in, on the album Chaos and Disorder, I think on Xanaly.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the police scanner, that, that guy.
3: <laughs> that's, the, that's the same guy. Yeah, no wonder that's... him and the twins got on so well. So.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Excellent. Anyway, this song, the best solo at 150. It's just, some people probably just think it's a guitar, but it's just his voice and whatever effect he's using. And it sounds great. I think a player said he didn't like it. Oh, I love it. Oh, it's a cool, cool sound. Because it's, again, it's something he hasn't done before. So as soon as I hear it, I'm like, this is something new for him. This is good. He's doing something different. It's cool. And that effect uses it on the next track even 100 times better than on this one.
4: I'll agree with you So there, I yeah. can't
2: wait till we get to the next song. Let's go. Am I last? Let's go. We're I at the next I'm-
4: song, I'm- Captain. It's track number seven, and it's the animal. Sorry. I'll scrap the, the <laughs> animal kingdom.
0: No member of the animal kingdom. Nurse's past maturity.
2: The animal kingdom. I a thing to me?
4: Yeah. keep it going captain
2: again bass guitar Rhonda smith is that the first note for everyone anyway this is the best oasis song that prince ever did <laughs> <laughs> it is i love it i love it it is so good it is, it is
1: do, you, do you do you agree with the sentiment though would you like you to be sitting in Get hungry oh. jacks listening to this
4: who knows what the sentiment is? Come on, Captain. On this song you
1: have to you have to at least take a
4: guess. I, I
2: actually do <laughs> I actually have heard this lyrics that says wow. no member of the animal kingdom ever did anything. I mean that's debatable. What, is he never got like stung by a bee? Nothing ever <laughs> happened to him. No animal Bitten ever did an anything ant? to him in the history of his life. I find Surely that there are ants in minneapolis I know I find that hard to believe that no animal ever did anything to him. Ever. But there's another... No animal
3: like, what, ever. No the animal kingdom. red meat or white... <laughs> no red so meat. So I eat no red Is meat or no white fish. But I eat that bee. White fish. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Except for bees, yeah. <laughs> oh.
4: Hold on, that would mean he wouldn't be able to eat honey anymore.
2: <laughs> oh, what do you put on your pancakes then?
4: Well, exactly.
2: Oh. <laughs> anyway, you got these great... Oasis style verses With a great distortion effect on his vocal It's just He's never done it up until now And he's, I don't think he's ever done it since he Used that sound effect It's so cool
1: Yeah it is cool
2: But he does that in the verses And then he goes straight off For the chorus Straight off to light and fluffy Prince Land again <laughs> It just It doesn't fit <laughs> It's like he had two totally separate Sort of things And he's just stuck them together And it's like Verse chorus Yeah that'll do Whatever <laughs> But uh, oh, you can call it contrast, I just call it rubbish. It's <laughs> they don't go together at all. Even the guitar solo, one thirty-four, it's very different, you know, from stuff that he's done before. <laughs> and you've got really cool bass by Ronda, but oh, I love his vocals on this track. It's his best Liam Gallagher impression I've I've heard. It's great. It just great needs
4: song. it just needs walls and walls of electric guitars and that'd be it. Pretty much. Yeah.
2: But if the chorus was not so all fluffy in the clouds it's it's just such a contrast from the like hard verses it just it doesn't work for me but i really like the verses like so much and then the chorus comes and i'm just like get back to the verse come on <laughs>
4: he should have played this when he went on the muppets that's like perfect <laughs> yeah, he fit
2: he <laughs> could have done man in uniform on the muppets <laughs> anyway that's that's it
4: Hmm, animal rights and vegetarianism in a song, or veganism, or whatever you want to call it. I think this is very successful, actually. I don't know what my position is with regards to those things,
1: but... Do you, do you eat funky blue cheese? No. Funky, funky oh, well, blue cheese. Way too
4: funky, way too funky for me. But uh, <laughs> And that's another cool thing, you know, like the way he refers to blue cheese is pretty funny. There's some more awesome bass, again, by Rhonda. Yeah, look, I won't go into a philosophical rant with regards to what he's singing about, but it's certainly he, yeah, he's certainly uh, making a point. So we know what his views are, right? Now, if you wrote this down on a piece of paper and said to most people, most artists, most musicians, make a reasonably good track out of this, I really think they'd struggle. And he does an incredibly good job at it. I reckon, like this is an entertaining song to listen to. Listen to. It's got some interesting musical elements. Sure, there's plenty of questions thematically, but, you know, especially when he's talking about souls in progress and no animal nurses past maturity and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, uh, he does have a point. He very much has a point, um, at least partially. (laughs) Um,
2: So, you're saying this song is successful in he believes this stuff and he's telling you. No, I... Getting the idea across, but getting, not, not being a preachy about it, just saying, this is what I think.
4: Yeah, and making it and making it sound musically...
2: Making it just, interesting.
4: Just fun. Yeah, like, it's fun. It's it's a bit funky in parts, and again, he uses that... I, I keep saying squeeze box, so I don't know what it is, but it's it's that thing that he does with his vocals. It sounds like he's talking through a uh, a fan or something.
2: No, um, no, no, he's, he's just doing his Liam Gallagher impression. That's it. <laughs> that's, it. That's, it. that's his real voice.
4: <laughs> After a few beers. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, those are my thoughts. Sound effects galore. What else can you say? Interesting track from MC. Uh, Player.
1: Yeah, I agree. I had the same thoughts when I was listening to this on my iPod whilst I was having lunch at McDonald's. It's the exact same thing. (laughs) Um, This is Prince's ode to veganism. It's an interesting song that gives out his love of animals through the diet he eats. I like the song for its quirkiness more than anything, the way he really strains his vocal in... And his vocal delivery in each verse and the distortion, yeah. that's really cool, I like it. The strange sound effects and the dolphin noises in the background, it's just a very, it's a very enjoyable listen, but it's a very odd listen, I find. But yeah, what I think you, it's a cool song. What do you song.
2: think about the chorus?
1: I, I, I do agree with you, it sort of, it, it changes. It's so um, different. It does change, but it doesn't bother me the way it bothers you, oh. but yeah, it, it does change. But it's cool, it's a cool song.
3: All right, Tajek. Yeah, this is a tough one to review, isn't it? Because I think musically, it's probably the most interesting song on the album musically, I think. There's a lot happening. There's some really cool progressions going on. There's a lot, I actually really like the contrast between the verse and the chorus. That's the way it jumps between the two. Uh, the sort of more serious, dark verse and then the flight and fluffy chorus. I reckon that's cool. And I, I love that squeeze guitar vocal sort of sound he's getting. That sounds really cool as well. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the Rainbow Children, isn't it? It's like there's so much to love about it, but it's tough to. It's kind of a a slog to get through with the lyrics. Like, and again, I'm not. I'm not. You know, I don't. I don't really have a strong position on what he's saying either. But you know, in in that sense, it's good that he's at least putting songs out there that ask the question. You know, whether or not you agree with everything he says or not, it's it's good that he's asking the question. Yeah, definitely. I mean, personally, I don't think I'd go so far as not eating funky blue cheese. Um but <laughs>
4: you know everyone you it's eat, but it's not funky blue cheese it's funky, funky blue cheese.
2: But if you don't eat blue cheese, what do you have with your buffalo wings? I just it doesn't work it doesn't work it's not the same.
3: Well, that's the thing like every, everyone will have you know everyone draws a line at some point and say no i'm not going I'm not going to go that far, but it, where they, where people draw that line is always going to be different, so um it's interesting, but yeah musically it's re- it's actually really funky, great, great music tough slog to listen through that's the way i'll I'll summarize it okay okay
4: and uh kind of shifting direction here going into into the next track on this on this cd the other side of the pillow
0: pillow,
4: also released on one night alone live in 2002 live version of this track but we're going to talk about the album version that's on the truth
2: Let's see if we can all review this song without using the word cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it can be
1: done. Well, let's...
0: <laughs> it can't let's, be done. <laughs> let's give it a shot. I've got um, it at
2: least four times.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> let's give it a shot. Uh, in fact, when you said that, I looked down at my notes and that was the first word that I wrote yeah, down, so... Yeah, me too. Uh, okay, so I'm going to take the word cool out of out of my notes. Let, let's <laughs> see what this sounds like. This was is it, an... It, it,
2: taken for, it's, obviously, it's cool. We don't all need to yeah, say yeah, it's cool. yeah.
4: So, this is an amazingly burnt blues. It is just dripping burntness. It's just got pizzazz everywhere. You know, when you listen to blues music, a lot of the time they're, they're talking about trials and tribulations or, you know, love gone wrong or whatever the case. Uh, here, he's just talking about how burnt he is and how, <laughs> you know, how impeccable whoever he's singing about is, it's just bloody, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so, anyway, look, there's a, there's a funny line in here about furniture.
0: Oh, yeah. It's <laughs>
4: it an absolute classic. I'll see if anyone else picks it up. And if you don't actually read it out, I'll read it out at the end of the uh, review. Uh, sorry, at the end of our review. But uh, look, attitude galore, nice guitar work. And just another fun listen. Play up.
1: Yes, like the other side of the pillow, this song is very cool. It's very well written, (laughs) very well executed. It just oozes a certain level of sophistication. Again, the humor comes out. Uh, One of my favorite lines that MC just alluded to is, uh, you use furniture in new ways. Yes, you do. Just hilarious stuff. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I
2: I did hear that.
4: It's like 319, (laughs) you know, put your leg on the chair. Chair. Yeah. yeah.
1: Very cool stuff. I like this
2: song.
4: Awesome, awesome. I was going to say cool, cool, but I said awesome, awesome instead.
2: <laughs> this is, uh... Can I say Ice Cold? <laughs> <Yeah>. Ice
0: Cold!
2: <laughs> Another was, Andre
4: 3000 reference. Yep.
2: <laughs> this song was a great track to resurrect for the One Night Alone tour. It just fit perfectly into that set. Oh, it was good stuff. It is very similar to a song I wrote many years ago, but I'll, I'll let him have this one. Ooh. I'll I'm not even going to sue him. I'm not even going to sue him. So, <laughs> but we'll just we'll just leave that. This is up there with one of the best songs on this album, and I don't think it has any weird sound effects, or maybe you know very minor. So that's a that's a plus. But uh, it's an amazing song. I think he might have gone a bit overboard on the backing vocals. They're just really loud. They're really up there, but they're great. They just seem a bit you know it's it's too full on for
0: bubbly, bubbly. Nice,
2: It's the nice... You know what, that Bubbly Bubbly, that
4: that annoys me. It's like, it reminds me of like a (laughs) typical American housewife or something. (laughs) Typical middle class.
2: If they were quieter in the mix, or maybe just, you know, one or two backing vocals, not, you know, 18, but uh, it's a good song. I like it, and I I don't think I said cool once.
3: (laughs) You did not. (laughs) Toe Jam. I like the song. It's, yeah, wow, that that word really just does summarise it, doesn't it? The background, as it goes, the, the background vocals are actually really loud in the mix. Um, yeah, it's, it's
4: like he's turned them up, eh?
3: Yeah, which I don't know if that's on purpose or not. Bloody H.M. Buff, he ruined this part of <laughs> Prince's <Pinterest> career. <laughs> uh, and I like the way, you know, as the song goes on, it's like he's getting tipsy, and like, just little subtle things like, um, I can't remember where it is, but he, he like says a word and then finishes with like the, like the S sound, and it's almost like it sounds like, you know, the, the bubbling of like a bottle of wine or something, and... He starts getting tipsy and, and he starts whistling and all this. I think it, it works really well the way that sort of progresses through the song. I haven't got a whole lot to say about it. There's some really cool guitar stuff going on when it goes that cool as the other side, cool as the other side, cool as the other. That's a cool bit. Yeah, I'll leave it there. It's, it's a, that word that Captain said basically summarizes how I feel about the song. Um, it's not the best on the album, but it's very listenable and always brings a smile to my face. So that's the other side of the pillow.
4: I wonder if we if we kept using that that
3: descriptor of cool, the word
4: cool, because he mentions it so often. It's in this song, probably about ten times uh, or more, and so maybe it's just stuck in our heads, you know, after after hearing it. But um, who knows? There, there there is another another cool lyric where he says something like, uh, "I can't find the adjectives enough to say I'm real glad or I'm so glad you're my baby," and then he kind of pauses for a bit and he just goes okay (laughs) as if you're left wondering did he just rhyme okay with say because it was it simply rhymed and it was the first thing that came to his head or is it that's because he ran
3: out of adjectives
4: yeah yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) so So, that's that's cool oh i did it again (laughs) (laughs) we've got to do next time we review an album we've got to review an entire album without using the word cool Let's see if we can get away with it. But, uh, yeah, this is a cool track. So, with that, we go into <laughs> track number nine, and it's Fascination. fascination. I want you. Well, Fascination, I'll give you guys my quick thoughts. This is Prince doing his version of flamenco or, you know, Spanish, Portuguese kind of rhythms with some jazz tinges, courtesy of Mike Scott on the guitar. Big ups to yes. to Mike on this. Uh, but he still makes it funky, you know. It's, it's a real heavy arrangement, this one. Um, I'm sure you guys are going to say a lot more about it. But, you know, he touches from a thematical and lyrical point of view on relationships, idolatry and drugs seem to be the themes of this music. And a unique piece of music at that. One of the more intriguing... Dare I say, fascinating? Listens on this uh, CD, and uh, that's about it. I, I I enjoy listening to it. It really shoots for the shoots for the stars, <laughs> and it gets the moon, so to speak. So, but it's good. Player, what do you you think of fascination? in The track?
1: Oh man, this track is in my top two of this album. This is really funky stuff. I don't even know what to how to describe it. Is it Arabic? Is it Spanish flamenco? Is it a whole new genre of its own? Don't know, but it's brilliant musically. I can groove on it all day. You've got those finger cymbals and shaker sounds going on in the background. It has this very wet sound to it. That's the only way I can describe it. It's wet. The jazzy guitar solo from Mike Scott is r- really, really nice. Recalls some George Benson style licks. The lyrics are interesting. Thanking the manager before the Lord. And the uh, Michael Jackson reference, I think, is pretty obvious in this song. Oh, What's that? What's that? Uh, so-called king gives birth to so-called prince. Because oh. this is when um, Prince But had Mike that happened Wolf. then? Yeah, it just happened.
2: Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And,
1: then, and then there was this, yeah, and it's like, oh, okay. So overall, I think this is a great song. I love it. It's in, like, top two of this album.
3: Awesome. Uh, told you. I like the song. It's a cool groove. It's got a cool turnaround. Da, 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 da. It's, it's sort of a real mm. 70s. Yeah. You know, that sort of fusiony funky era. The whole first minute or so is instrumental. I, I like that before it comes in with any of the vocals. There's some cool lyrics. It's obviously about someone who's hooked on drugs and um, doesn't know how to get out, and Prince is sort of the commentator, saying what he or she should or shouldn't do, or give some advice. There's cool lyrics like, uh, you know, the paper runs out before the weed. So, again, kind of play on the words on paper, whether it's talking about the money or the, the paper of the cigarette sort of thing.
2: I really need to listen to these lyrics. This sounds interesting.
3: <laughs> yeah, it is. Fascinating, lyrics, isn't it? Yeah. Fascinating. Um... <laughs> I really like the last minute or so when it sort of breaks down. Uh, there's this big percussion breakdown and then it has the guitar breakdown and then, and then the vocals come in again and they're a lot more intense and it's kind of the, it's almost like, look, this is your last chance. You've got to get off these drugs. And there's a cool little wah sound, sort of reminiscent of the New Power Soul sound that would be coming up, this sort of wah guitar sound that sort of used like, almost like a percussion effect, uh, really cool in the headphones. So there's a lot to listen out for. It's probably one of the more, I don't want to say skippable, because I don't skip it, but it, it's probably one of the ones that you sort of forget about, but it's a good little song. I wouldn't say it's fascinating, but it has some element of fascination about it. All right. Captain.
2: This is, uh, it's really the only track on this album that's like a band. There's a band there. It's not just him and it's not just, you know, him and Rhonda.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a band. band, here.
2: It's a band performance. You got percussion and vocals by Kirk Johnson. Vocals and percussion by Cat Dyson. Guitar solo by Mike Scott, straight from the thing. Uh, Like Player said, I don't know what genre this song is, but it's it's definitely interesting. It's the longest track on the album, almost five minutes, 4.57. Now, I'm going to have a little rant about Mike Scott. I think it's well known that I'm not a fan of Mike Scott, and that has nothing to do with his...
1: Come on, man.
2: My dislike for Mike Scott has nothing to do with his abilities as a guitar player. I think he's very good. But I've said this before, I don't know if it was at Prince's insistence or if it was Mike's choice, but for the entire Jam of the Year tour, every time Mike Scott played a note, it was the worst guitar tone I have ever heard in my life. It was just this awful, distorted, grating, whiny sound, and it was disgusting. And I don't think I've said that about anything in Prince history, but that was one of the worst sounds I have ever heard come off a, off a Prince stage. It's not
1: on this track,
4: though.
2: No, but that's getting to my point.
4: You want it, it on this track?
2: <laughs> no. The point is, every time I hear Mike Scott, I immediately associate him with that horrible sound, and I just can't get past it. But Even surely you didn't many know it was things. Mike.
4: Surely you didn't know it was Mike Scott when you first heard this. There's no way of telling. It Could be a number of yeah. people.
1: Yeah. Even Prince himself. No I,
2: no, I didn't know. But I read through all the who was on what track and everything before I listened to this to <laughs> this review, so I knew he was on it. And as soon that. as I saw his name, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, oh,
0: no, no. no!
2: <laughs> <laughs> but then, when I heard it, I'm like, oh, it doesn't sound like that. Okay, but I've just got this mental link of Mike Scott. As soon as I hear the the, the word Mike Scott, I just hear that sound, and it's the only word I can say is disgusting. Hmm. Now, it's nothing against Mike Scott. It could have been Prince's yeah, choice yeah, to have that, that, that sound. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, we love Mike Scott. I, I don't think I'm ever gonna lose that, you know, association. But anyway, his guitar solo on here is fine. It's great. It still has a little bit of that whiny sound, though. But, but, it's, but it's way better. <laughs> There's
4: nothing whiny about it. it it's
2: That's way the better the noise
4: that your brain is making when you're listening. It's way
2: better than the, the sound on Jam of the Year tour. Anyway, we have Kirkie J on percussion. Come on, how good's that? Kirk Johnson, right there. Uh, very, <laughs> there's some very cool bass on this just track. Just for
4: our listeners, Captain was obviously being sarcastic with, us, with that last comment. Sorry, keep on going.
3: There's some very cool bass on this track. That fretless bass is kind of all through the album, though, isn't it? Mm. Uh, right
2: near the end, there's this bit where he's like, work, work, working it out. That's I just laugh every time I hear that. I don't know why. I just think that's funny. That bit, every time I hear it, it somehow reminds me of like really early Prince, like For You, Prince... Era. I don't know why, but when he's work, work, working it out, I, I just it, it takes me straight back to like 1979. I don't know why, it's something about it. And then there's a little vocal outro. This sounds like one of the most well-formed tracks on this album, I think. It might just be because it's a band track and there's so much going on. But, you know, there's some time gone into this, whereas the others could have just been, you know, 10 minutes, record, bang, done. This took longer than that. And uh, that's about it
4: all right all right uh and now we we kind of veer into the final part of this album with three songs that i think uh to me are connected both melodically and thematically and with that let's go into track number 10 it is of course one of your tears I really don't know how to possibly describe this. I'm hoping uh, you guys are gonna have
2: uh, skipper. <laughs> well, that's no. one way. Most skippable track. Look, Ouch. look. Weak- weakest track on the album.
4: You've no. got some. Oh, you've no. got some pretty sexy bass, though. And the the rhythms are, are kind of cool. The sensual and, and the vocals are, are not bad. But what is the sentiment? What is going on here? Is this like a, a breakup? revenge type track, you know, has it gone right? Has it gone wrong? Uh, the lyrics are incredibly questionable to me. And I'm sure one of you will bring up more particular aspects of the lyrics. So, I won't spoil the show. But, but he creates a dreamy atmosphere with, with some synth work and kind of cool, surprisingly cool instrumental ending to the track. But I'm not sure about this. This is this is a strange one. I haven't quite wrapped my head around it, which is saying something about the song, but I don't know why. Player.
1: Um, I love this song. Mainly for the sentiment more than anything. I mean, how cool is the line, sometimes I want to die and come back as one of your tears? I mean, that's deep, deep stuff.
4: Yeah, it's deep um, stuff, but what is what is the intent behind that lyric? Like, what is he trying to convey? I've, I've never quite been able to decipher He wants
2: it. to get inside your body and fall out of your eyeballs.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: I don't understand why anyone would want to do that.
1: Oh,
4: that's what it is. <laughs>
1: yeah. We've talked about humor on this album and it appears here again in the first verse, but um, clearly he's heard in the song. It just shows the amount of pain he's feeling and the jealousy and everything. It's. I mean, I feel it in the song. The music is awesome as well. The tribal drum beat just resonates and breathes. Listen to that on headphones. Also, another highlight is the last minute to minute and a half of the instrumentation. Just the way all the instruments weave in and out of each other. Really cool headphone listening experience. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind this song. I really like it.
4: Okay. Mr. Captain.
2: Okay. There, there is some cool bass guitar by Ronda Smith. There's some nice falsetto vocals. It just seems to be the same two chords through the song. But any song with lyrics, you know, you sent me a used condom. I'm not going to like that song. <laughs> that might just be me, I don't know. But f- straight away, forget it. When I mean, the chorus is okay, and the line, the name of the song, come back as one of your tears, that's that's a nice idea. And it sounds like, you know, it could have been a demo from something off New Power Soul. It's got that same sort of sound to me. But, you know, the verses just seem like an afterthought. There's just, ugh. next please. you know
4: like you say it's it's a nice thought i i I think it's the opposite like i'm i i do not purport to uh, purport to know exactly what exactly what the intent is but to me it's i think my read of it is this he is upset by the breakup or by this person leaving him whoever this he person you know whoever the protagonist of the of the song is and um he wants her to B- to be in pain, he wants her to cry, and I th- he, yeah, I, he I have- he wants to feel. He wants to either feel or he wants to be there for when it happens. You know, yeah. he wants her to feel pain.
3: It's like he knows it's that happened. it's not going to work, and he wants to be there to prove to her that she made the wrong decision. There you ha, go. Told you <laughs> Now, I'm jump
2: out of your eyeballs. Now is that ironic? <laughs> <laughs>
4: There's an element of, of revenge there, eh? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, And well, that's the truth, y'all. The
2: truth. That would be talking about crap videos lately. This would make a great video. Imagine him just jumping out of someone's <laughs> eyeballs.
4: Especially that's, the part about the video. used condom that, that he <laughs> oh, <God>. sent him.
2: <laughs> no, okay. Forget that. Don't ever make a video about this. <laughs> MC, that, that was though, wrong. <laughs> I'd love to see him jumping out of someone's eyeballs. Oh, that would be the coolest video. Anyway.
3: Um, Toe Jam. I love this song. I think this is probably my second favorite behind Dion. Maybe even on par with it. I think it's great. Atmosphere again. it's To me, this captures that, that moment when something bad, terrible has happened and you're really down and depressed about it. But there's like that little moment where you kind of catch yourself being all sad and depressed and you kind of laugh about it. You know, that kind of feeling. Uh, I don't know. That that's the, that's the atmosphere it gives to me. It's like, you know, he's kind of weeping because this girl's left him, but he's kind of seeing the whole irony of the situation. It's like he's seeing from a step behind everything and he's kind of seeing it in a different perspective. And I think that really comes through in the last minute where, you know, the song's it's kind of sad, but it finishes with this huge arrangement and it's like the song's, you know, it's like his mood is moving on. It's like it's, he's moved on throughout the song. He starts off all sad and depressed, but by the end of the song, he's moved on and it's like he's, he's on another part of his life. That's that's I don't know how intentional that was, but that, that's the, the feeling I get from it. The instrumentation is just really silky all the way through. The fretless bass is nice and just the little subtlety of the way the chords are played throughout. And again, that last minute is just really cool. The interplay between the guitar and the synth strings. And that drum beat at the beginning is kind of reminiscent of how join repetition may have originally started. Uh, that sort of echoed deep drum beat that sort of starts the groove going. Interesting effect. But yeah, what a, what a really cool and interesting and, and again, quirky little song that's sort of hidden in, in the depths of this not very well-known album. It's a cool song.
4: Okay, with that, we go to track number 11. It is entitled, Comeback. Comeback. It is approximately two minutes long. Captain, lead us off into this.
2: Shortest track on this disc, but one of the best, I think. I put this up there with Sometimes It Snows in April and, I don't know, The Cross or something, for emotional content. This song is its a good song. It's much shorter and, you know, obviously not as evolved as the two I just mentioned, but this is more direct and straight to the point. It doesn't need all that other stuff. It's easy to make people connect with this track, especially with lyrics like, if you ever lose someone dear to you, never say the words, they're gone, they'll come back. Because everyone has dealt with, you know, somebody died somewhere that you know. Someone's, everyone's dealt with loss on some level. So it's easy for them to connect to this track, because it's very general, and that would all change <laughs> very shortly after this album came out but this is a great track I love this song it's very very good the end
4: there you go you mentioned sometimes it snows in april there uh, I didn't think of that but this is a pretty intense and deep and meaningful song isn't it let's go to toe jam on this
3: yeah this is a very heartfelt song I think and it's obviously very personal and it's kind of tough talking about a song that is clearly so personal to someone so I'll just say I think I think it's beautiful and I think it's such a kind of sad thing where he's, you know, this. The idea of the song is to to never say the words they're gone and they'll come back, and it's trying to be trying to be as positive as possible in this uh, situation. But it's like the tears go here part at the at the end. It's like it's he knows that no matter how much he can pretend, it's it's really kind of sad and very personal to him. So I don't want to say too much, but uh, I think the honesty in that song in that last two minutes is is very telling.
2: I mean, in without saying what it's, I think, obviously about, I mean, in interviews after, around this time and for Emancipation, the idea of this song is what he stuck to. You know, he never admitted anything. He never denied anything. And oh, I don't know, I think that's all, all I can say about it. But he stuck to the idea of this song. You know, never, you know, admit that that particular thing's happened and everything's fine. Well, might not be fine, but you get on with your life. No? Yes?
1: Um. I think the song is quite beautiful um, and the sentiment is beautiful. Uh, I don't really have a lot to say as it's quite short. It's only two minutes, but um, coming after Fascination, one of your tears, it really does sort of bring it down. It's kind of a hard task to, to live up to, but um, it, it does have to stand on its own and it's kind of well placed on the album. Yeah, it's a nice song. It's a nice sentiment.
4: Yeah, you guys have really said everything that I was thinking when I when I listened to this. That the crazy thing about it is it conjures up lots of... Of emotion in such a short amount of time
0: Mm. and
4: and it's so succinct and it's it just says a lot and it it's probably the song on here that is it appears the most personal on the surface what i'm trying to say is it's you know toe gems mentioned this before sometimes you hear things by an artist and in this case by prince where you think to yourself well it's so so highly personal that it would be interesting to enter the mind of an artist. You know, at the point in time where they decide, I'm going to release this or I'm going to keep this one to myself. And he obviously released it, which I think says a lot. You're really wearing his heart on his sleeve. But at the same time, I think it's a brilliant song because, as Captain said, we all have or will suffer loss in our lives to to one degree or to another. And this is the sort of song that can be, I would imagine, it could be incredibly healing and... um
2: That's why I compared it to The Cross as well, because that's such a generic, you know, religion song. Anyone can listen to that and get something out of it. But then that all changed. I mean, who can listen to Rainbow Children except for Jehovah's Witnesses and fully believe in that whole thing? Hmm. But this, anyone can listen to this and get something out of it. Anyone can listen to The Cross and get something out of it.
4: Yeah, and and the other thing about... And that all
2: changed after this.
4: But the other thing about Comeback, the song, is not only everything that... We've spoken about but also the idea that I just want to touch on very briefly of reincarnation um I mean no one's mentioned that and it, it is
0: mm.
4: inherent in the title I think so that you know it's so magnificent two minutes long I mean geez, it's like a a shot of honesty really
3: I just think it's brilliant the way like he spends the first three quarters of the song trying to build up this you know, just don't say the words, they're gone. And yeah, yeah, they'll come back. And, and, but like the last minute, it's like he can't, he can't pull it through. It's like mm. the tears go here section. It's like, it's almost like in the back of his mind, he knows he's, he can't go through with it. So yeah, that aspect of it I find really fascinating.
0: Yeah,
2: Fascinating.
3: Yeah,
0: all right. Well, you know, MC,
2: um, MC, what you said before is, you know, when he was deciding whether to release this song or not, that's the really interesting, uh, interesting thing, I think because you know in prince history there's all these songs which either got heavily rewritten for release or didn't get released at all because they were that personal and this one gets through so yeah the the decision to put it out or not put it out i want to know something about that that's the really interesting thing to me
4: yeah it's a question mark isn't it
2: it's like you know why would you do it why wouldn't yeah. you do it or do you change it or do you just put it out
4: yeah, and really, what you're talking about is something that all artists and creative people face, either on a regular basis or at key points, you know, in their careers. And this may have been one of them. It may not have been. You know, maybe we're over a set, over analyzing the whole situation. Maybe it was uh, simple. It as could recording be. A it song. could
2: be. It could be totally fictional. Hmm. Unlikely, yeah. but possible.
4: You never know. All right. And hey, here's, that-
2: here's a hey, here's a question. If this album, if EMI stayed together and this album got a full, you know, commercial album release you think this song would have still been on here? I think not.
4: I don't know. That's, hard. I think That's a hard not. question to answer.
2: I think hidden away at the back of a multi-disc set, he felt comfortable putting it out. I think if it was out there for everyone to hear, it wouldn't have been on this album.
4: You know, talking about this with you guys has <laughs> made it incredibly obvious to me how striking of a song this is, <laughs> much more so than I, than I thought of initially when I was um, listening to it. But you kind of... You know, the, the your chills go down the spine, don't they? And I think a lot of it has to do with the emotion, you know? I mean, he's being incredibly honest here, and it comes through. You, you can always tell when someone's putting it on or whether they're being honest. And that's what makes some of this album incredibly appealing to, to me. And I don't know whether you guys see it this way or not, but, you know, songs like The Truth and Don't Play Me and Animal Kingdom, One of Your Tears, and then, you know, obviously the one we're talking about, they're, incre- they're like, he's really just putting himself out there. And I would love to to hear more of that from him because Prince, as incredible as an artist that he is, very often is clever with the way that he delivers his music as opposed to just being blatant about it.
3: Yeah, he sometimes hides behind the, the Mr. Funk persona. Hmm.
2: Most of the stuff he's, you know, he's showing you, you're listening to, you know, the Prince persona Yeah, and this is what, you know, he's going to, show us and make us listen to what he wants us to hear. I don't know, it sounded right when I thought it, but when I said it, it didn't make any sense.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I think it's a testament to the song and to the delivery of it that we're all talking about it in such...
2: Well, like I said, it's just like you said, it's honest, it's so direct and straight, it's only two minutes, so straight to the point, he only needed two minutes to say what he wanted to say. Yeah. It could have been seven minutes long with all this other fluff, but then what's it going to be then?
4: Yeah, I mean, point, yeah, you're right, Point the point's made, that's it. Move on. It. it uh,
2: that's the idea of the it,
4: song. It was as long as it needed to be, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah, interesting. Okay, and with that, we go to the closer of the album, which is also interesting that it comes off the back of the song Comeback. It's track number 12, Welcome to the Dawn, acoustic version.
2: Acoustic version?
4: Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Captain.
2: I'm still waiting for the non-acoustic version after, what, is it 16 years that's, now? That's Captain's <laughs>
4: review, ladies and gentlemen. He, yeah.
2: he could, will not
4: review this song until he gets the non-acoustic version.
2: Well, how can I? What have I got to compare it to? <laughs> I could do without that big clunking gong sound at one minute. <laughs> <laughs> and and again at 3:07, I really could live without that. And then and then there's the, there's this lyric. He says something about the apocalypse, and there's this big boom because that's what it would sound like. <laughs> 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 I love the bit starting at 2:30 and the na 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 na's. That's good. You can add this one to the list of you know great multi-track vocal performances. It's got a great outro, some very cool effects. Uh, I don't have a lot to say about it really. I like it yeah non-acoustic right. version release date never
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey Jen, what are you coming <laughs> exactly what are you uh what are you, Sixteen what are you... years in the making
4: <laughs> <laughs> you never know captain it might be on crystal ball too we've never seen that project material well I so. did
2: vote for the tracks on that album which I still haven't received yet but that's another story
3: yeah just like my shirt get in line yeah. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot to say about this song. If if anything, I think it's this is probably the most skippable on the album, actually. Oh Uh, no! Yeah, I I just find it's it's kind of it's gold part two, and it's you know he'd been setting up this whole idea of the dawn for years and years and years, yeah. And and now the dawn is here, and it's kind of an average, not really super great song. So uh, okay, so there goes the whole dawn thing. That's why we need
2: the non-acoustic version. That's going to be the killer track.
3: Having said that, it's not it's not terrible, but it it just reminds me of it's kind of it's a poor man's gold for me, and it's I th- I think comeback would have been a, a maybe a nicer finish. I don't I don't like like I said I get to this song and I probably skip it nine out of ten times because it doesn't really do anything. I feel like I've got I've got the the truth experience by that point of the album, so maybe it's a maybe it's a bad place to put the song. Maybe that's also part of it. Yeah, poor man's gold for me.
2: Oof. poor man's don't have gold. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh god! that doesn't make no sense you'll always learn something peach and black podcast doesn't it <laughs> uh, player what are your thoughts on the last track of this album welcome to the dawn
1: uh, i think it's an okay way to close out of the album it has a lot of multi layered vocals all over it and you've got this big guitar chords drums and big inspirational type lyrics but yeah i'm I'm like with you guys there's not a lot really to say about it it's, it's, it's okay but i'd I like to hear a lot the original version or alternative version is like
4: hmm. yeah i mean this is similar in sound to come back and to a couple of other songs on this album but i think it's more uplifting and it's positive and it's, yeah, it's also uplifting. got some deep lyrics there and the convictions there in his delivery and a great end to the album i think
2: tell me about the lyrics
4: what do you what about them
2: uh, i don't know what they are what's
0: it about
4: Oh, Captain, oh, it's up- there's something. It's uplifting. There's something sinister going on here. You've never been interested in lyrics before, and now all of a sudden you need to know exactly what this song is about. <laughs> Very funny. No, no. I'm not gonna fall into that trap. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good that it's again general. It's non-specific. Could be about an epiphany. Could be about the apocalypse. It could be about purple rain. It could be about waking up. It could be anything. Uh, so I like that. I like the the thing that I get out of the song is that this moment that that some people have and some people don't.
3: Uh, Actually, I think that's probably the disappointing aspect to me is that, and it's more so the fact that it's you know every album had always been, "May You Live to See the Dawn" and there's always this It'll you come. know this dawn concept and and then what is it? Oh, it's this sort of vague thing that everyone can determine for themselves. Oh, okay.
0: Hang
2: on, "May You Live to See the Dawn" that started in what '84. Yeah, I think that that whole concept it was his chinese democracy he, he just built it up year after year after year about it was coming it was coming it's going to just blow your head off so i reckon that's the reason that album never came out because nothing could live up to the hype that he'd put not the hype but you know he just talked about it for year after year after year you can't put out an album then because it's never going to live up to what people expect so it was just like oh let's just give him the acoustic version. Ha ha, they'll never actually hear the real version, so they'll never know how good it might not be. <laughs> <laughs> Great. That's...
4: Great review of a song that we don't know that even exists.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, prove me wrong. Release that track. Let's see.
4: Release it. Wow. Release so, uh yeah, we've come full circle, haven't we? 12 tracks, the Truth acoustic or semi-acoustic album by Prince from 1997.
2: Oh, we don't forget ab- at the end, at the end of Welcome to the Dawn, he says, thank you. Yeah. Thank like you.
0: Him, yeah,
2: he goes, Welcome. Thank you. It's cr- it's funny. It's like he did just do an acoustic performance for you in your lounge room, sitting there with his friends and his bongos and, and then he says thank you at the end.
3: <laughs> it's great. Perfect ending.
4: And with that this is MC from Peach and Black saying thank you.
3: Yeah, we have conclusion.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what did you say?
3: We need
2: to do a conclusion. We need to finish this.
1: Yeah, you're you're rating MC. come on you you rate your albums come on very funny come on bro out of 10
4: i'm not doing it (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i'm not doing it
2: (laughs) he officially retired i'm I'm, i remember that i did
4: i did i officially retired from rating so i'm not gonna do it i don't think you guys should do it either this is an incredibly personal acoustic album it should stand without our yeah without our input I'll say this
2: about this album.
4: Sum it up, someone.
2: You can add this to the list of things that he has tried. And I've said this before, I'm all for him trying something different, whether it comes off great or it comes off awful or it's just average. I'd rather have it than not have heard it. I want him to do different things. I want him to challenge himself and do something he hasn't done before instead of just another album of the same old stuff he did you know, last year. Do something different. That's what you want to hear, isn't it? I would much rather hear a weird experimental track like, what is it, Dion, (laughs) which I do not like at all, but I'm glad I've heard it because he's doing something different. He never did anything like that before. Even if it's not the best track, I'd still rather have heard it than not have heard it, and it shows he still has some passion to do what he does, something I think these days is going downhill pretty fast. I don't know that I
4: agree with you, (laughs) And I don't know whether it's important to ever hear another piece of music from Prince. I I think he, we've spoken about this before, but I think he's at a stage in his life and in his career where he will literally do whatever the spirit moves him, which is not that different to how he spent the last 30 years when you think about it. So if he decides that he wants to do things at a slower pace or in a different way or just continue putting out material you know, under different names and different bands and supporting other artists, that will be it. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it.
2: <laughs> I know. But something I think is going downhill, you know, the last two years is his desire to create. I think he thinks there's no more challenges, you know, there's, there's no more mountains left to climb. He's already been to the top. He's seen it all. He's done it all.
4: It's hard to and argue with that, though, if, if Anna, that's in fact the case.
2: And I think he thinks he has done it all, but there are so many more things he has not done. Obviously he, he doesn't want to do certain things or he just hasn't even thought of them yet. So Prince, if you want any ideas, you know where, you know, you know where to find us.
4: (laughs) You know to call Sydney Opera House.
2: Sydney Opera House is waiting for you. There are so (laughs) many things that he could still do if he has, if he still has, you know, the desire and passion to do something different instead of just, you know, the same old R&B, Prince sound that it looks like we've been stuck with for many years now.
4: Look, I, I, will, say, I will say one thing that, that's been on my mind, and you've kind of prompted me with this. We, we joke often on the show about, you know, Prince, if you need some ideas, yeah, give Peach and Black a call.
0: But <laughs> Which a will seri- never happen.
4: <laughs> but yeah, that's right. But on a serious note, you know, he's done the truth, the album. Now the obvious next step is come on the Peach and Black show and tell us the truth. Let's have, a, let's have a truthful five-way conversation. Player will be here, Prince. Toe Jam's going to... He's in Brizzy, but it doesn't matter because it's on the internet. So, we can all do it. It's a virtual roundtable. Captain will be here. I might pop in for a little bit. It'll internet, be great.
3: The internet
2: is alive and well.
4: The internet is alive and well. It's and, waiting for you. And so are we. So
2: <laughs> It's waiting, just like breakfast.
4: Peach and Black is like... <laughs> think of us as a... As a conductor, a super conductor, if you will, <laughs> 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 to the next creative mega flood.
0: <laughs> yeah, let,
2: this, let the electric ideas flow through Peach and Black. It's going to happen. <laughs> anyway, about this anyway. album, which I was concluding,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I like it. It could be hard to rate because you can't compare this to a proper album with full band or one man band, whole thing with all the bells and whistles. Uh, but I will. I give this a 7 out of 10. There are some great tracks on this album. I like more than half the tracks on this album. I think are very good songs. So yeah, seven, seven out of ten. There you go.
4: There you go. Play toe jam if you want to, because I'm not going to <laughs> jump in with your thoughts and your ratings.
1: I'll give it at like an eight out of ten. I really like this yeah. album. It's wow, Big it's school. nice to listen to, um, especially like in the middle of the '90s. Like like I said, either side of it, you got a lot of digital, bombastic sounding. Stuff with lots of loops, Mr. Um, Bombastic. Yeah, but like you can dial this up on your iPod or just bring it out and just listen to something like really cool, interesting musicality, interesting lyrics. It's it's really nice thing to sort of put on and get into. It's it's a really cool album and it's a,
2: it's a great headphone album too.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's just it's just a it's just a cool thing. I, I wish that he would. Do more stuff like this, not necessarily all acoustic album, but just like just like a alternative album. It just reminds me of like Parade and Around the World in Day. Sometimes listening to this album, just like just sort of like an alternative listening experience. It's it's really cool. So okay. yeah, I-,
3: <laughs> I think it's a very good album. Great little experimentation. I'm going to give it a seven and three quarters out of ten.
2: Oh <laughs> yeah, if it wasn't for that Death Laser, it would have been more than seven and three quarters.
3: Maybe. <laughs> Mystified silence.
2: <laughs> the death laser. That's got to be responsible. I for like the death laser. No,
3: the, yeah, yeah. the death laser gets an extra quarter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's
3: a square eight. Awesome shout game.
2: outs. Any shout outs?
3: Go for Anybody?
2: it. Anybody? Ah! To- <laughs> <laughs> that was a shout out. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Haneda. Just, just for fun. Yay. Yay. What uh, else?
1: If you're in Melbourne on Friday, the. 22nd of November, there is another party, and this time it's for the release of Heroin December City launch. It's at room 680 uh, in Hawthorne. Get yourself there. I think there's still tickets available if there is some left by the time this show gets released. uh, Friday, November 22nd, 9pm till late. If you're in the area, get there.
2: Any more shout-outs? Nobody? Anybody? I'm going to do a shout-out to Michael B. Nelson just for fun. Okay. Because I think I think we gave him a shout out last time and I, his name's in my brain oh I've got you shout
1: gotta keep to keep it up Shout out to all those people that came to the cream Party in Sydney It was a mad oh, night
2: Yes everybody especially when Captain was doing the DJ stuff that was the best part I've gotta say <laughs> 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 So that is the truth okay
4: that is the truth as we know it
2: that's our review and that's the truth <laughs> Thank you.